Does the Holy Spirit witness for the Lord apart from us, out there somewhere on his own? No, notice Jesus said in this verse, whom I will send to you. See? See, the Spirit of God works in and through us. We're we're co-laborers together with him. And I was thinking this afternoon, it's amazing to me how even in the darkest places, the Lord has a witness. I visited India first in 1989, and uh, uh, my Indian friend and I decided to show a, a movie on the life of Christ, and we went to a particular area of Calcutta that was predominantly Hindu and also communist. And we got the consent from kind of the political boss in that locality. And he said, yeah, you can show the movie, no problem. And in fact, he said, and if anybody gives you any trouble, just come talk to me. And um, must be from Vegas. And uh, so <laughs> there's interesting, some churches there, you know, were not willing to have me preach, but the communist was okay. And uh, so we're, we're showing this film in the open air And uh, they come to me and they tell me there's a young lady here and she claims that she's seen Jesus and she would like to testify. So I had to make a decision. You know, I mean, maybe, maybe it's all bogus. You know, maybe it's all fraudulent. Or maybe she's deranged. Maybe she may get up there and just rattle off a whole bunch of... There's all kinds of people in India, buddy. <laughs> all kinds of people in India. And I had to make a quick decision. I decided, okay, we'll do it. We changed the, the reels this long, you know, long time ago, the reels of the film. And we, and we introduced her. She came up there and she didn't speak in English. Uh, and so later they're, they're interpreting to me, but... She said that she's raised a, 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 an Orthodox Hindu, and, but she was searching for truth. And, and she said, I think she was in the kitchen, but I'm not sure. And she saw a bright light. She heard a voice, and she looked, and she saw the Lord. And what I gathered was he said something to the effect that I've come here, and, and I want to be your friend, and I want you to believe in me. Something to that effect. And she went on to give more, which I didn't get all the details. But I, I remember she, she said in her testimony, she had an aunt with, with cancer, also a Hindu. And, and, and she said, Jesus told her, go and lay your hands on your aunt in my name. And she went and the aunt was healed. And so um, we finished the movie, and usually when the film is over, the people immediately disperse and they, they, they go in a thousand different directions. But this time... They sat perfectly still. There's about a hundred of them or so, maybe more than that, maybe 200. They seemed to be spellbound by that testimony. And when I gave the altar call, every hand went up. When I asked them to come forward, every person responded. God has a witness in places you and I have never heard of. Are you out there today? Amen. Now, I want to bring your attention to something else. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 6, after the resurrection of Christ, the disciples asked Jesus this question. In Acts chapter 1, verse 6, they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And um, he didn't scold them or chide them for asking that question. But instead, he said in verse 7, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. See, there are some things you don't need to know. You don't have to have an answer to every question. 
Some things are just above your pay grade. <laughs> Isn't that right? So don't focus all your attention on what you don't know. Focus on what you do know. And so he continued in verse 8, and you know these verses very well. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And that would be Nagaland. <laughs> and so in essence, in essence, the apostles said, in so many words, they said, it's been an amazing journey. And so many awesome things have happened. But now what? Where do we go from here? So the apostles, the disciples were thinking naturally. Are you going to establish the kingdom in Israel right now? Jesus was thinking supernaturally. They were thinking locally. He was thinking globally. They wanted to stay. He wanted them to go. They were thinking it's time to politicize, and he knew it was time to evangelize. They were actually asking Jesus about something that would occur in the end times. But Jesus answered by reminding them of the task at hand, what he wanted them to do right now. You know, there's a scripture verse in Proverbs that says, The eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth, but wisdom is before him who has understanding. I mean, before you go across the world, go across the street. Amen. So everything that they had experienced in life from the, from the time they joined him, lived with him, were eyewitnesses of his ministry, everything served a purpose to make them witnesses. And the same is true of you in your journey with Christ. The Greek word translated witness is martus, and it's where we get the English word martyr. But it doesn't mean one who dies for his faith. It means one who lives for his faith. You see, the way they lived was to be irrefutable proof that Jesus is Lord. And that's true for you and I as well. And he empowered them by his spirit to make them credible and effective witnesses for God. God never gives anyone an assignment without giving that person the equipment to get the job done. Are you listening to me? So it's important that you and I realize the anointing is not a toy that we play with. It's a tool that we work with. There's always a reason why God pours out his spirit. Are you listening to me? So first find God's purpose for your life, and then you'll find his power for your life. Is anybody listening to what I'm saying? Notice what Jesus said. Notice what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because. There's always a because. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. In Greek, it's just one word, euangelizo. And it literally, he said, he was anointed to evangelize anointed to evangelize so I think I could say this if you're not interested in sharing the good news with others God's not interested in sharing more of his spirit with you 
Come on, it's real quiet in this Presbyterian church. Is my mic working? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. He's called us to be his witnesses. Most charismatic Christians, of course, they're not here tonight, but most charismatic Christians think that the book of Acts is simply all about signs and wonders and miracles. But actually, the book of Acts emphasizes this, spreading the message of Christ to the world. Are you listening to me? The miracles simply serve to point the lost to a living Savior. Many Christians, and I think we're all guilty of this at some point, many Christians are guilty of, of uh, are, 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 are praying, God, you know, give us signs and wonders in our midst. But why do you need a sign? You're already saved. Signs are primarily, now I realize there's exceptions, you know, but primarily for sinners, not for saints. How many of you come to this church regularly? Can I see your hand? Okay. How many of you needed to see the road sign outside this building to know that you had safely arrived at the proper destination before service began? Huh? How many of you members said, all right, that's this. Okay, there, word of life. Okay. I mean, no, no. You, some of you have come here so often, you can drive here with your eyes closed, right? Some of you, I'm sure, you're actually headed to Walmart, but you pull into this parking lot not even thinking. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. But someone who's never been here before, someone who's here for the first time, they would need that sign. Are you out there? Sometimes we quote this scripture, you know, Mark 16, 20, you know, he confirmed the word with signs following. That's true, but let's also read the rest of the verse. The beginning says, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. So he didn't tell the world, come ye into all the church. <laughs> he told the church, go ye into all the world. Are you out there today? Let me give you another verse. In Romans chapter 15, verse 18 and 19. Romans chapter 15, verse 18 and 19. Paul said by the Spirit, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So notice Paul said, I didn't work any miracles. It was Christ in me who did these things. And notice the reason why. Here it says, again, this is the English Standard Version, but it says, to bring the Gentiles to obedience. What he really means is so that the world, the lost, would obey the gospel and be saved. That's what he really means. See, the Message Bible says that triggered a believing response from the outsiders. So it's a matter of priorities. Must, you must always remember your primary function and purpose. All of us are called to be a witness for the Lord. Whether you've been saved for 25 years or 25 minutes, everybody in this room who calls on the name of the Lord, you have an assignment, you have a place. All of us, and there are no exceptions, are called to the ministry of reconciliation to take the gospel, as I said earlier, either across the world or across the street. Are you here today? Amen. And so it's important for us to keep this in mind. And uh, from January 
of, the, uh, uh, of this year until the first week of August, our ministry in Nagaland led 2,481 people to Christ. That's verified just through our church services and, and just, just outreach. There's no massive crusades, but just, just going door to door. And I want to say to you that God's still doing today what he did in the first century. In the book of Acts, we read about angels appearing to people, even to sinners like Cornelius. We read about the dead being raised like a woman named Dorcas, Tabitha. And the Bible tells me that while Peter was still speaking in one place, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who were there. And I can bear witness tonight that all of these things, in a measure, I've experienced in Nagaland. Um, I, uh, I, I was introduced to and ministered to a man who lived in one city in our state, Nagaland's a state in India, and he was an orthodox, you know, proper, staunch Hindu. He was not a Naga. He was a, what we say, a non-local. He's from another part of India living there. And he vehemently opposed Christianity. I mean, he, he, people told me that he would argue with Christians all the time. And he was very persuasive, uh, very, very difficult to deal with. And he went uh, to the hospital for sort of a routine operation. And he died on the, on the, on the operating table. He said, in, in his words, he said, I looked and I saw my body under a sheet on the table. And I turned and I saw what looked something like a man wearing a long white robe. And he said to me, you died. <laughs> that's, what he, that's, that's what he said. You died, but you can live again. However, you must become a Christian. And this guy said, yeah, I'm going to do that. <laughs> And so next thing he, he, he knows, the sheet's over his face. He pulls it down, climbs off the table, and everybody else went berserk, you know, and the doctors were, you know, astounded. And, and he, you know, he doesn't know anything about the church or something. He went back to the Hindu temple and told his story to the Hindu priest. And the Hindu priest said, yeah, I think you should become a Christian. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> And so, uh, and so he, he, you know, he's born again, child of God, and now he's on fire for the Lord. You know, now he's vehemently opposing the Hindus, you know, and, and he came to my meeting and, and I shared about the Holy Spirit. And when I laid hands on him, the power of God hit him and knocked him down like somebody hit him in the head with a baseball bat. And he got up speaking in tongues and, tongues and said, and now I got the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Glory to God. God's doing things all over the world. There was a young man in our church, and uh, this happened a few years ago, and he went to uh, a neighbor's home to invite the young man. And you'll forgive me if I've shared some of these things before, because sometimes I can't remember if I said this before or not. But he went to a neighbor's house to invite a young man to a, like a home Bible study, home fellowship thing. And as he approached the house, he heard noise and commotion, and uh, he assumed that well, they must be having a family argument or dispute. Maybe now's not a good time to go inside, knock on the door, but... He said, something inside me urged me. No, you go in there. Knocked on the door, whatever, went inside and found out the young man he had gone to invite had just died from a drug overdose. There's a big drug problem in that part of India, right there near the Burma border. 
And uh, so he, said, he told me, he said, I just stood there, you know, uh, uh, petrified. I, I didn't know what to say or do, you know, and the, and the family's, you know, weeping and wailing. The, the, guy, the boy is totally unresponsive. He's dead. And he said, suddenly as I stood there, a boldness came on me, something I've never experienced before. And I found myself grabbing hold of that dead body, shaking it, and I rebuked death, and I commanded him to live in the name of Jesus, and the guy came back to life. And then Sunday, he came to our church. I don't remember what day of the week, but that was some during the week. He came to our church, and when I gave the altar call, he was the first to respond. I didn't have to ask him twice. He, he, that's me. And uh, he came forward, and so we asked him. Someone, it wasn't me, but one of the counselors asked him, and he said that he, he, he breathed out his last breath, and he started to go down. He went down, 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 like you're going into a well. And he, he hadn't read Brother Hagin's book or something like that. He went down, down, down. And he said, I, I looked up, I could see the lights of earth and everything. And it was dark and it was oppressive. And I was going down, down, down. And he said, and suddenly, this is his testimony. I mean, you know, do with it whatever you wish. But he said, then a rope came down. And I grabbed hold of that rope and I began to climb up. When I got to the top, I was back in my body. Like I said, when I gave the altar call and I asked him if you're not saved or you're not sure if you're saved, I mean, he came, boom, right down there. And somebody talked to him, shared properly with him and prayed with him. Now, you might be thinking, you might be thinking, well, you know, he said he was a drug addict. Maybe he was just hallucinating. Uh, I don't think so, because two weeks later, he did die. And I preached his funeral. And at the funeral, I told the family and all those, thing, all those people there, I said, well, you know, um, God is merciful. This guy was on his way to hell. He had left his body. His spirit was on its way to hell. And God reached down and tapped the shoulder of one little fella in our church and said, you go in there. You go in there. And raised him up. And that fella's in heaven today. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you listening today? Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. We're living in the Acts of the Apostles now. Um, I hesitate to share this because I should have asked my wife permission first. And if I'm doing something wrong, uh, I'll hear another sermon on the way home. <laughs> and it'll be longer than this one. <laughs> there won't be a clock on the wall. <laughs> and, um, but uh, I'll say this in general terms. There's a dear, precious woman in our church, a member of our church in Nagaland, India. And she has a home for uh, unwed mothers. And, and she has, through her compassionate work, she has rescued, I don't know, countless, I don't know exactly the number, but, you know, many, many unborn babies from certain abortion. You know, the, the unwanted pregnancies, unplanned, all that type of thing. And she brought in those, those women, gave them a place to stay when society rejected them. And, 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 and they were able to have the, the child and, and, and the, the mother can, can raise the child. Or if they want to put it up for adoption, she'll help with that process. And just doing a wonderful work for God. And she's a precious woman of God. Well, there's some political things and whatever. But the government closed down just this summer while, while we were here. The government closed down her orphanage, her home took away all the kids and put them in another home and she was just heartbroken and this is her whole life this is everything she's poured herself into and I've known her for 20 years precious woman of God 
And um, so we're praying, you know, we get the communications here in America and everybody's trying to do what they can and contacting authorities. And this is what happened. Actually, uh, there's a girl that lives in, it's my wife's uh, niece, I guess you would say, uh, cousin, and lives with us. And she helps with some of the, the work that we do at the housework and that type of My dishwasher, you have to feed her. And, uh, so, <laughs> and so she and some other folks went to visit her. And they said when they came to her house, you could just, the presence of God was so strong. And, and this woman was there, the, the woman from the home, the orphanage. She said that a, an angel came to her house. I don't know if it was that day or just sometime before that. Came to just, I just suddenly walked in the room, I guess, and, and said, I've been sent from God to help you. And said some things, you know. And then this woman that we know, her church member, it's, I thought this was interesting. She said, well, let's pray. And the angel said, no, you pray. See, angels aren't going to pray for you. That, that's right. See, I, I thought that was interesting. No, he said, you pray. So she prayed, and something like the angel said to her, you know, I don't remember all of the details. I'll find out more when I go back. It happened two weeks ago. That said, now I'm working on this case, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you through this or something like that. And I think maybe he even said something like, I've got other angels under me or with me who are also working. I don't remember exactly. And then just walked away and just disappeared, vanished in thin air. That didn't happen in the 1950s. That happened two weeks ago. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Amen. I found it, I've lived in Nagaland for 25 years, and I found it relatively easy to get the Naga people saved. My, my wife is from Nagaland. And because the Nagas believe in salvation, Baptist missionaries, praise God for them, they went, first went to Nagaland 100 and probably 44 years ago to bring the gospel. I once preached um, in one little town in Nagaland, and they told me, um, you're the second outsider to preach here meaning like foreigner, westerner, that type of thing. They, they may have had some folks from India or nearby, but you're the second outsider to preach here. And uh, they said the first one came in 1853. His name was Miles Bronson. Do you know him? No, I don't know him. <laughs> they, they ask questions like that. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> so, you know, it's been a, been a while. <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> And um, so I found it relatively easy to, to get the people from Nagaland saved. They believe in salvation. They just don't know how to get saved. They just need the information, you see. They're, a lot of times they're mixed up. They think if you join the church, you, should, you know, most of them think if you've been water baptized, that is salvation. You know, that's all they know. And, uh, but I found it relatively difficult to get them baptized with the Holy Spirit. Oh boy, that was a, that was a challenge. I mean, some, when I would begin to even mention the word Holy Spirit, they would freeze up. They would look like a photograph. You think you're speaking to the People's Republic of China Communist Party meeting or something? Just look at you, you know. <laughs> and it was real difficult. I had to just 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 to just labor in the word and and just go you know point by point. And eventually we got a breakthrough, and people began to receive and be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and and and, and a little trickle, and then more and more. And I remember one time we had a service where there were um, well, I gave uh, 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 sixty young people came forward to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, within a matter of a few seconds, all of them speaking in tongues. And there was one young lady who didn't respond to the invitation. 
Uh, and what I learned was, I'm just telling you the truth, she wore like a really short little mini skirt. And I guess she didn't want to come out in front of everybody or something like that. I mean, I didn't, didn't know that. And, um, but so when we dismissed, she went in the bathroom and the Spirit of God fell on her in the bathroom. And she's knocked out on the floor in the bathroom. God can meet you anywhere. <laughs> it don't have to be at the altar. He'd meet you in the restroom. Okay, that's fine. We'll meet you there. <laughs> and she's out. And she's speaking tongues and she's laughing and laughing in the spirit. And, uh, and we had to, they had to pick her body up and put it in the back seat of my car. And me and some of the ushers, we drove her home. And when we got to the house, her parents were like staunch Baptists. When her parents saw her, they thought she's dead. And they started crying, you know. Oh, no, she's dead. I said, oh, she's very much alive. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've, I've had people come forward to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, especially in those early days. And as I was giving instructions, you know, believe, you know, ask, believe, respond to the Spirit, they started speaking in tongues. I said, wait a minute, I didn't get to that part yet. <laughs> You're supposed to wait, and then I pray. You, you, you got to have patience. <laughs> but you know, when the Spirit of God interrupts your sermon, your sermon's over. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God wants us to be a witness for him. In Matthew 24, the disciples asked Jesus what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And very briefly, let me just hit this couple of points. He said in verse 6, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. Then in verse 7, he said, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. But then in verse 8, he adds, All these are but the beginning. Of the birth pains. Verses 9 to 12, he talked about, Matthew 24, he talks about persecution and people falling away from the faith and false prophets, deceptions, lawlessness increasing. Is that the end? No. Then in verse 14, he says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then, the end will come. See, what is the Lord waiting on? What's holding back his return? Is the Lord waiting for some global alliance of nations? No. Is he waiting for the Antichrist to emerge? Or some cataclysmic event, some earthquake or something like that? Or a third world war? No. He's waiting for us. He's waiting for the gospel to be preached to the whole world. The Greek word translated nations in this verse, verse 14, is the word ethnos. It's where we get the word ethnic. It doesn't mean a colored area on a map. It doesn't mean a, a nation state. It means a people group. See, religion uh, has been all over the world, and Christianity has been to many places, but there are still many, many people groups who've never heard. Uh, we, we met uh, years ago, uh, probably more than 20 years ago, we met this pastor from Nagaland who went to Bhutan, which is a small little kingdom near Nepal. 
you know, near the Himalayan region. And so he said he went to one village and he shared the gospel. When he got through, the elders of the village met him and said, we have a few questions we'd like to ask. Number one, you told us about Jesus. We want to know what his father's name is, what village is he from, and where does he live now? And our friend told them, well, Jesus is the son of God, and he came 2,000 years ago. And they were astonished. They said, what took you so long to get to us? He's waiting on us. He's waiting on us. You know, we read that verse in Acts 1.8, that we're to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. I thought it was interesting. The Greek word for ends, our uttermost part, is the word eschatos. It's where we get the word eschatology, the study of end time events. Because the word eschatos means final. The end will come when we reach the end of the earth. Perhaps there's a day that will come in our lifetime, and I don't know, only heaven knows, when maybe there's just one little people group somewhere on some mountain or, or in some jungle somewhere, I don't know, and someone goes to them and shares the gospel of Christ with them, and they have that effective witness of the good news and in heaven, the Father says, it's done. That's the final. That's the end now. You can go now and bring my family home. Hallelujah. God's called you and I to be witnesses for him. Would you stand with me to your feet, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the precious word of God. But with your truth, there comes great responsibility for you have not saved us just so we could be blessed and happy. You've also called us to share this blessing, this life, this freedom that we have in him with the lost and dying world. All around us, there are those who have no hope. While we rejoice and bask in the presence of God, there are some who live under the domain of darkness. And for them, there's nothing beyond the grave to look forward to but the torments of hell. Father, I pray you'll speak to every heart in this place. I pray that you'll raise up in this hour more and more witnesses for you who will go to households in Las Vegas, who will share the truth with colleagues and friends, who will be ambassadors for Christ are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I want to ask you a question here today. If this message has spoken to your heart, if it's touched you in any way, maybe this would be a good time for us to respond. Maybe it would be a good time for us to recommit ourselves. I'll be that one. I'm willing I'm willing. I'm willing to stand for Christ. I'm willing to share the gospel as he opens the doors, as he sends me. I'm willing. I'm willing to go wherever he wants me to go, even to faraway places, but even nearby too. I'm willing. 
Lord, use me to be a soul winner for your kingdom. Does that speak to anybody here? I'd like you to raise your hand if, if that's you. I'm committing myself. I want to see more souls one to the kingdom of God. I want to be a more effective witness for him. And I want to make this a greater priority in my life. Friend, heaven doesn't care if you have a new swimming pool. Nobody's concerned if you've got a Lexus up in glory. Those are minor issues. That's fine and well. Don't, don't get me wrong. No, no problem. But to lead others to Christ, that's the greatest joy. That's the greatest thrill. I want to go to heaven. I just don't want to go alone. I want to take as many people with me as I can. If this message speaks to you, would you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, here I am. Send me. Whether around the corner, around town, in this nation, or places beyond, I'm willing. Use me, Lord, to lead others to Christ. Give me the strength, the boldness, the fortitude, the words to speak. I have received your Holy Spirit. I have that power. Oh, Lord, I determine to use it for your glory. Help me, Lord, to be more passionate for winning the lost. For Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. It is your overwhelming love, Father. The reckless love of God. You found me. You searched for me diligently. And you would not quit until you found me. Now, Lord, use me to help find others for your glory. In Jesus' name. Lift up both hands. Let's just praise him in this place today, Father. Can you pray a little bit with me? Hallelujah. Can we sing something? I, we don't have a lot of time, but. Hallelujah. Mm. Let's lift our hands and worship the Lord. For he is Lord. Yes. He is Lord. Hallelujah. He has risen from.
If you're uncertain about where you're going to spend eternity, please do not leave this service until that question and that matter is settled. I encourage you today to respond to the gospel call. Give your heart to him. If you've fallen away from the Lord, I want you to know that a loving father is waiting for you to come back home with a warm and loving embrace. I want to encourage you, if you're not saved, or if you're not sure if you're saved, I'd like to pray for you. Heavenly Father, speak to every heart and bring every sinner home. If you're here today and you say, Pastor John, would you pray for me concerning my salvation? I want to be certain that I know the Lord. If that's anybody in this place, can you do me a favor? Can you just lift up your hand briefly? And I'll know to include you in this special prayer as I look around the room. Lift it up just for me for a moment here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. As I look around the room, and I know that we're all church folk here tonight, I don't see any hands, but Heavenly Father, if by chance there is even one who is unsure or unsettled in this matter, I pray, Father, they'll have no rest until they bow their knee before Christ and make him king of their hearts. Thank you, Father, for this church. This is a church that shines bright in a dark world. This is a church whose voice is being amplified day by day with the gospel of peace. I thank you for the members, the staff, the pastors, the leaders, all who are here. I thank you for the tremendous fruit which is brought to bear through their efforts and the wonderful reward that awaits them in glory above. Thank you for this church, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I love you and I appreciate you. Thank you for allowing me to be here.